Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of OK, But Seriously. I am your host, Vanessa Lauren. This is the show where we talk about serious topics in a non-serious way. Um, you're listening to 91.5, the Rebel HD2, KUNV. We're the broadcast service at UNLV, and we are listener-supported, so we want to thank all of you out there who are listening. I hope everyone had a good, good fun, safe 4th of July, celebrating whatever way you wanted to. I personally spent the holiday in Hawaii, which was very different from the couch, which is where I was last year. And I can't believe it's been a whole year since the pandemic has rocked everybody's world. Um, I was very taken away, taken aback by how like many permanent things have have happened when it comes to COVID and the pandemic, like the social distancing circles, you see the masks that we see, the commercials even, and even like myself working in media, some permanent changes have happened, which is why tonight um, the topic is is going to be a little bit of a unique one. I wanted to talk about the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic when it comes to like depression and discouragement and things like that, but particularly for those that are creative, which brings me to... My guest, so we're going to start on a high note, literally and figuratively. I'm bringing in a guest who's accomplished something big during the pandemic, which we're not going to reveal right now. We're going to reveal that later. Uh, she is a UNLV student in the theater major. Her name is Heather Renner. No relation to Hawkeye. We were just talking about this before we, we were. Went on. Yes. Uh, she's here tonight. Hello, Heather. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming in. So let's just start with telling us about yourself, which is like the most basic question, but give us the fun facts. Where are you from? Absolutely. I am from Reno, Nevada. I was born and raised there, and then I moved down here for school. So I have only ever lived in Nevada. Oh, um, wow. Yes. But okay. I love Vegas. I love living here. Um, um, and I'm really glad that I chose to stay in state because in-state tuition is yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> something. Yeah, it's where it's at. Exactly. I'm the same. I'm born and raised here in Vegas. So when it came to school, I was like, why go outside the borders and Absolutely. pay $20,000 extra? No, thank you. Um, so you said you started you from Reno. Did you do any school college out in Reno or just high school? I didn't know. I graduated from high school in 2018 and then I took a year off and I just worked two jobs to save up for school. Um, and then I moved down here and I had been planning to come to UNLV for a while. Um, so I had all of my department auditions and everything lined up and I'm just super excited to be here. I love school here. And um, yeah, this was my first college experience, which was great yeah. for the first nine months of my freshman year. And uh -huh. then it was March of 2020. And Ooh. I had to go home again and finish my classes online. But now it's, I mean, really wonderful again. So I'm so happy. You said something interesting. I caught it. I don't know if listeners caught it, but you said department auditions. Yes. So can you explain that a little bit when you're, so what were you like, what were you signing up for? And how does the audition process work? Sure. Um, so generally in the theater world, when you are going to college and you want to be a theater major, um, you have to audition for the department. So they only take a certain number of kids every year and you have to prove that you deserve to be in that bunch. And that was my understanding of the UNLV theater department as well, that if you are a theater major, you have to audition to get into the major. That's not how it works here. Okay. Um, but we do have a special audition program called um, SSA, Stage and Screen Acting. And they take about 15 kids, 16 kids every year. Oh, and wow. we just get special attention. So ultimately, it was a really wonderful thing that I'm glad I didn't know I had to yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad I did. The only familiarity I have with auditions was a job that I, I did a long, long time ago. Um, I auditioned for a cruise ship job. 
Oh, awesome. And it was a process I was not familiar with. Like when they said audition, I just thought it was a fancy word for interview. Mm. But then I got there and they're like, no, like you're really like standing in a room with like the number on your chest, like American Idol. And I was like, oh, snap. Okay, this is an audition, which as not a theater person, I was not... <laughs> I was not I was not ready for that. So good on you. Um, okay, so Heather is not just any student. She has a list of accomplishments already, which is fantastic. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Your Miss Nevada Outstanding Teen. What year was that? 2016. I'm old now. So <laughs> you are for teenage. I, yeah, right? I don't think I could. I don't think they'd let me at 21. But so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you could be a young at heart. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the age range for the the teen competition? Yeah. So for teen, it's 13 to 17, and then for Miss Nevada, it's 17 to 25. They just bumped it up a little bit. So I'm planning on competing for Miss Nevada next year but okay. I took some time off after after my teen title yeah look at you you say you say it like it's not like it's easy but it's just something that you just say and I feel like there are a lot of people out there myself included who like when I hear that I'm like oh my gosh I wouldn't even know where to begin can we talk about your like pageantry like how how did that e- even come to be absolutely yeah, Miss America is kind of a casual thing that I guess I throw around a lot. Um, my grandmother was actually involved in Miss America. She was the director of the Miss Nevada pageant way back in the day. And then my mom competed for Miss Nevada when she was, um, you know, when she was oh, in her wow. 20s. So it was something that I grew up watching on TV every year. And it was never a pressure thing. Like okay. my mom was never like, you're going to run in pageants. It was not that at all. <laughs> it was very much um, me motivating it like I can't wait till I'm old enough that I get to do this wonderful thing and um, I got to go to rehearsals with my mom when I was younger because she was the producer of the Miss Reno Sparks pageant oh wow so I got to see all the girls and their gowns and their talents and I was like oh yeah just you wait till I'm old enough to do that that's fantastic so you kind of grew up in it so it was it was very familiar for you so was it still intimidating that first time that you went to compete, were you like overwhelmed and like, oh my gosh, or you kind of felt ready? Oh yeah, no, I lost my first two pageants. You did? Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. Is that common? I know nothing about pageantry, so. Um, I would say it's normal to, yeah. to lose a pageant or two here or there, um, but ultimately it just made me work harder for the next year, and I uh, clearly it didn't deter me from yeah, continuing no. to compete. Yeah. Okay, so then you won in 2016. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So how walk us through that, that, that whole process, like the day of and all that. How did it work? Yeah. Oh man, that was so long ago. So (laughs) I placed first runner up um, the previous year in 2015 and that I wasn't really expecting to place that highly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just kind of shocked by it. And then I realized, oh, that means I could win next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so girls who are really super dedicated to pageantry in terms of like really believing in the community service, really believing in bettering yourself, they generally prep all year long. There are a lot of girls who will prep for the couple months before the competition, but I'm very much someone who likes that all year preparation um, because it makes me a better person. And then come the next pageant, I can measure all of the ways that I've grown since the previous year. Um, So I was working really hard (laughs) all year long. And then when I got to state that year, I was just very calm and ready. And I was singing O Mio Bebe No Caro, which is like one of the most famous opera songs ever. And then I got a cold and lost my voice for five days. No. Which is super not awesome to sing opera when you don't have a voice. So, so did you, wait, did you still do it? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't have a choice. That's oh, my God. 35% <laughs> of your score right there. So um, the video is actually very funny because the whole time I'm like, oh, and then no. <laughs> right before the ending, I step back and you hear, 
<clears throat> and then I do the high note perfectly. And uh, clearly it worked. So you so you won. Yes. With, with a, no voice. Wow. It was wonderful. And then I had my interview the next morning with the judges and I was like, hey, guys, I'm I'm really sorry, but I didn't have a voice last night and I don't have much left today. Um, that, and we all laughed about it. That's pretty amazing. To, like yeah. because it must be because I'm not again not familiar with with pageants but there's a combination of different categories right mm-hmm. but then also like when it comes to that like I would think that that's like a death sentence that that would be like something like oh she she's not performing but they must have seen the raw talent inside of you despite what was happening to your voice which is amazing well thank you that's really cool congratulations on that thank like it's one thing to win it's a whole other thing to win when like mentally you had to just stand there and do the best you could which I'm sure was also difficult to do it was when you were how old I was 15 at the time I was just about to turn 16 oh my gosh I think the only thing I did at 15 that was like remarkable was like I was able to get like a a, a quarter to flip across the room and land on a, (laughs) a, a piece of bread with peanut butter on it in like one try that was my big thing that I didn't fit when I was 15 I'm curious why you were doing that in the first place so you remember the show minute to win it I sure do. Okay, so on that show, I used to pretend that I was going to compete. I was I was dedicated. I have a big family, so I was bored most of the time just trying to entertain myself because my Absolutely. family was doing other things. And I remember thinking, okay, if I'm going to compete, I have to be able to do all of these things like training camp. And the one that I could never do was the peanut butter bread one. So you put peanut butter on a piece of bread, and then they, what they would do is they'd stand X amount of feet, not very far, it's like four feet away, and you would toss a quarter, and you'd try to land it right on the peanut butter bread. So I'm not just a weird kid who did that. That was the, I was trying to get into Minute to Win It. Never actually competed in Minute to Win It, but you know. Yeah, so different lives when we were 15, different lives. Everybody's <laughs> on their own track, you know. Okay, and then let's fast forward a little bit. So mm-hmm. you've been in a play here at UNLV, um, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, and you were the witch. I was the, the white witch. Yes. Yes. Okay. I've never seen this play. We were talking before we went on air about, um, for those of you who don't know me, I am a big theater fan and I was a theater kid behind the scenes. So I'm familiar with the play, but I've never seen it. How did, was there a lot of competition for that position here at UNLV? To be honest with you, I didn't really know. Auditions okay. were, I think, the first week after school started. So it was my freshman year. I didn't know anyone in the department. Um, I was amazed that I got a call back for a show at all. And then when I got cast, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, but theater is the best way to make friends in the whole entire world. Yes, because it is. theater people are all extroverts. <laughs> and yes, <they> <laughs> I am definitely not an extrovert. So just being like thrust into a group of people that's like, oh, I want to be your friend. I want to talk to you. It was, mm-hmm. it was the best experience ever. Um, and then we were supposed to do Little Shop of Horrors um, in spring of 2020. And then we all know what happened. Exactly. So we'll be doing that this fall, and I am hopeful that I will be getting into that. So maybe this is a a common misconception, or maybe it's just my thought process, but I would think being in the theater department that one of the givens is that you would all perform. So that's not how it works. So you came into school as a freshman, and is it just like 
high school musical there's flyers posted up and it's like hey this is the play that's happening and you just audition for whatever piece you want is that how it works uh pretty much um generally you don't go into an audition saying i am auditioning for this role that's usually something that director picks out for you okay um i mean obviously if you're an ingenue type or if you're you know if you have a certain look like a character actor then you generally know which role you're looking for in Mm -hmm. that cast um but I was I was open to anything. I had never read the Narnia books before I auditioned, um, okay. and the script is basically this like the exact same passages of it are word for word out of the book. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, I, I'm familiar with. I didn't read the books. I've seen the movie. So. Very similar to the movie. <laughs> okay, okay. So then, yeah, that's that's kind of heavy stuff. That's kind of hard to just go in without any back knowledge on but did you just so you just went in and did an audition you didn't know what you were going to get cast as is what you're saying correct and so then they cast you as a witch and where you're like oh snap i'm like comma the witch in this <laughs> oh yeah i was so excited because again i didn't have any friends yeah you know, i had my roommates um but i was just looking forward to getting to work with a new director doing a first show in vegas yeah. um, and getting to have a named role is yeah, really kind of a big deal. It so. is a really big deal. Again, congratulations. That's Thank you. quite the accomplishment. Okay. So then other plays, performances, things that you've done um, either here at UNLV or in the past. What other things have you done? So that's the only performance that I've done at UNLV. Okay. Just since everything else got shut down. Um, but in Reno, I did a lot of shows in high school. We did Sister Act. Um, I was the Mother Superior character. Oh, fun. I, that is the best role. There's uh, yeah. no dancing. You just get to show up and be cranky <laughs> for like 15 minutes. And then the rest of the show is just peaches and cream. No work. That sounds really fun. It was awesome. Um, I did some work with Reno Little Theater and with Sisters 3 Productions in okay. Reno. But most of it was high school stuff. Fun. Yeah. Gosh, you're taking me back to my theater days. I tried. I did audition one time. I think I was a junior in high school here, and I auditioned for um, Greece. And okay. when you do the audition for Greece, you have to do like the full audition, right? So you have to do the singing, the dancing. I I did okay with the singing. I wasn't the best, but I they were like, all right, we could put you in an ensemble. The acting part I actually did pretty well, but the dancing they oh, no. teach you a choreography in like less than ten minutes, uh-huh. and then you go in there. Oh, I was backwards and forwards and all kinds of things. <laughs> they were like, yeah, no, we can't do anything with this. We'll just put you on props. But so nowhere near your talent, but very cool. Okay, I'm going to roll backwards here because we lost the lights, everyone. So just give us a second. Oh, there we go. We got it. We're back. I, I'm curious to know what you sang for your audition song. Do you remember? I do. Hold on. Give me a second. I sang... It's your party. You could cry if you want to. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I think they had a list and they were like, you can choose from one of these songs. Oh. I'm I'm guessing. If my old theater teacher, Miss Fronte Martin, is listening, FM, if you're out there, you let me know if I'm wrong. <laughs> I can't remember, but I just remember that was the song because I was like, I can sing that song. I've sang it in the shower. Sure. 50s and, and 60s songs for Greece. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember afterwards, the one of the, the actual, the choreographer pulled me aside and she's like, you're not, you're not too bad at singing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be Mariah Carey, move out world, move out of the way. But then no, my career was very short (laughs) when I went to the dance audition. They're like, yeah, no, that's not for you. It's okay. Because now I can appreciate theater from the sidelines. Absolutely. And that's a good, that's okay. (laughs) I am not a dancer myself. My mom owns and operates a dance studio for a living. And, you know, I'm just kind of doing what I can. 
dancing bare minimum is literally a talent like I, singing is also a talent but dancing it's it's an art form and yeah. people spend years perfecting it or they spend years like trying to get down certain moves and train their bodies and yeah that's a whole nother thing i, I can't um, if you're just joining us, I am in studio tonight with Miss Heather. Heather is a UNLV student, and we were talking about her journey in being a performer since uh, the time that she was very young. And I brought her in for a very uh, specific reason, because you recently won something. Can you tell the listeners about your experience here at UNLV? Of course. I was very, very lucky to win the UNLV's Got Talent talent show, which I have been looking forward to doing for probably two years. I mean, I knew about the talent show before oh, I did? was. Oh, okay. I sure did. I was, in, I think I learned about it on Instagram before I was even an enrolled student. Wow. Yes. Okay. And I said, ah, I see scholarship funds up for grabs. <laughs> I will be doing that. And of course, I couldn't do it last year, last spring. Um, but this year, I was just super, super excited to be able to to do it as soon as I saw it in the you know yeah. the newsletter, I was like, whoop, who am I emailing? Yeah, and so okay, I I know because being a journalism major, I did a story on this that the process this year was very different. So yes. normally they have the students come in and they audition, obviously in person, and it's a whole thing, just like America's Got Talent, right? Mm -hmm. But with UNLV, they didn't do that this year. This year they took auditions virtually. So what? How did? What did you compete in? What category? Or like, what did you do for your talent? I am an opera singer. Amazing. Thank I you. I did not know this before meeting you, what, like 40 minutes ago? Correct, she yes. She sat down and I was like, so what did you actually win the talent show with? <laughs> and she said that and then I just went bananas. And we're going to get into your the questions about um, opera in a second. But um, to audition then, you had to submit what, a video? Yes. So I did a video with two different songs, just like one that was maybe a little more upbeat and one that was sad, just in case there was a, um, you know, a preference for tone on okay. that. But in general, I think that it's better to choose A, songs in English, and B, comedic songs, because opera in and of itself is not an overly accessible art form. Right. Um, oftentimes, the people at the center of the story are white men. Um, oh, okay. Operas are written by white men. Okay. Um, and I think that it's important that we uh, give people of color, especially women of color, the opportunity to be composers. Because if not, I really fear that this field is one that's going to become irrelevant. Yeah. Um, and as a white woman, I can't really help much um, right. with that. But I think that it's easier to get people involved in the opera scene if you give them something that's fun in a language that they actually speak. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it's like, oh, well, this woman seems sad and she's going to uh, say what I assume are real words for the next three minutes and then it will be over. Well, and it's interesting because, like I said, I don't know much about opera. And when hearing you talk about it, like my, I'm picturing like the few occurrences I have of of opera and I picture, just to be blunt, I picture like a big, older, fat lady yep. standing on stage, right? And she is white. And that's just what my brain goes to. And I don't know if that's the my own experiences. But we were talking a little bit before the show about how like that's the age thing is 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 a you it's 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 um something that can't be avoided. Right. That's what we were talking about. And I'll let you explain that um to the listeners. But the the representation or lack thereof is something that can be controlled. Is Absolutely. what you're trying to say here. Yes. Which is important for people to know. Um talk about the the age. Why why is it that we primarily see older opera singers? Yeah, so when you're going through puberty, 
your voice changes. Right. Um, and it continues to change until you're in your late 20s to early 30s. And then the cartilage in your larynx, um, which some people call the voice box, it's like kind of underneath your Adam's apple. That's where your vocal cords are stored. Um, so as you get older, that cartilage starts to ossify. So it turns to bone. And that gives you a harder surface to bounce sound off of and t- um, to resonate through. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's kind of impossible to be an opera singer until you're in your 40s because that process hasn't finished happening um and that's the only way that you can get your biggest brightest best sound because opera was made to sing over a hundred piece orchestra right you have to be loud but in a very specific way you also have to be resonant because that's what cuts through right because like a voice doesn't sound exactly like a violin or exactly like a flute Mm -hmm. there's something special that makes it stick out above the orchestra and that's what opera was made to do now i I would be curious to know, I know singing is a talent all in itself. There's so many different things about singing that would take us forever to get through. Yes. Um, but I would feel, I'd feel like opera is very unique. I don't feel like everyone could do that. Like, I, I think it takes a special set of vocal skills. Or could it be something anyone can train into as long as they, like, have the, the, the I guess, basic talent of being able to sing? I would say it's definitely something that you can train into. Okay. Um, although a lot of people are good at belting or like a musical theater sound or a pop sound, that mm-hmm. uses a completely different set of muscles okay. um, than classical singing does. So classical singing utilizes the the muscles in and around your larynx. And then belting is a higher pressure sound, and that uses the muscles from around your thyroid. So mm. it's kind of like, because I train in both since I want to do musical theater. So it's like doing bicep curls every day for a year. And then someone asks you to do like tricep extensions. And you're like, well, that's, I, I know my arms are very toned, but Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that. That's a different set of muscles. Um, So it's important to keep both of those in shape for me. And when you say training, I'm picturing like, what's the, the cartoon Shrek where Fiona's like walking through and she's like doing the, ah. Is oh like yeah that? or are there like specific things you do to train other than just singing uh so i do my scales every day okay that's a non-negotiable that was actually something that my voice coach this past year courtney schwalbe um she instilled in me she was like here are your here are your scales you're gonna do these every day and i said oh yeah sure okay and she goes no 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 the way that you brush your teeth every day mm-hmm. the way that you eat breakfast every day you're gonna do your scales every day oh damn. and i was like oh Okay. And I'm assuming like any good coach or trainer, she'll know if you weren't doing them. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Isn't that so annoying when like a trainer tells you, I only have like the physical trainer uh, knowledge, but when they tell you like, okay, I want you to do this and you're like, okay. And they come back like you're not doing it. Yeah. Like when you go to physical therapy Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, we can tell that you haven't been doing this because your knee is still trash. Yep. Or the dentist, they're like, you're not flossing. (laughs) You're like, I'm flossing. I flossed right before I got here. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But she's wonderful and that motivated me to really get my practice back into gear because living in the dorms last year mm-hmm. it's really hard to carve out an hour to be loud every single day when you have three roommates and nowhere to hide um, but now mm-hmm. that I'm in a in an apartment sorry neighbors <laughs> but I'm sure they're I not sing for an hour oh I know they are I'm sure they are you think so I'm very loud and it's like an hour every day but you're singing a beautiful song or you're singing just like 
you know, scales you said. So I don't know what that is. That just like noise, like do re mi fa so wati do. Um, yeah, pretty much. Okay, so, so it's like, not like a song. No, I I mean I do my songs. So I do like probably like fifteen minutes of scales every day, okay. and then I do whatever songs I'm working on to help build technique, and then also just to kind of give me a better repertoire for the Got next it. time that okay. I need to pull something out of my back pocket. Um, but hearing the same songs every day and then oh, fifteen yes. minutes of. Okay. Oh, like me, like <laughs> squishing my face in different arrangements to. Yes, you didn't yeah. see what she just did there, but she literally took her hands and like pushed them against her cheeks and yeah. like a little kid would do. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's like, oh, I'm dealing with jaw tension. Well, now I have to hold my tongue when I do wow. this. Right? It's just there's a lot going on. You know, if we can, <laughs> if we can deal with athletes training, we can definitely tolerate singers training. You do you. That's yes. A, yes. The fact that there are those giant ice baths. That exists, oh yeah, that's nonsense. Yeah, we can we can let singers mush mush around. <laughs> I mean, they're stealing all the ice, really. What are we gonna have left for our parties with these ice baths that they have going on? That's why we have climate change. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so you won. Now, mm-hmm. I I don't know. Do you know like how many people actually competed in the the talent show, or they didn't tell you that? It was not many. I okay, would say uh, five. There was a handful of you guys. Five of us. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's but still, easy. Hey, to a win's a win. I'll take that scholarship a any a day of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And from what I understand, when I did the story, it was voted on by peers. Did you know that? I did. Okay. Did that make you nervous or does that make you excited knowing that like other UNLV students would get to hear you? Um, I would say a bit nervous because then it turns into sort of a popularity contest. Yeah. Um, but I thankfully have a lot of theater friends that I can That's mobilize right. at the opportunity. Because you um, were the witch. That yes. is true. Yes. <laughs> if you um, weren't here earlier, we're not saying she's the witch. She was uh, in a play here at UNLV, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So yes. Yes. Made a lot of friends that way. Um, okay. So then let's talk about just being a performer. What's your favorite thing about being a performer? Maybe not necessarily performing, mm. but just being a performer. That's a great question. Thank you. I think that <laughs> the last high note of an aria or a song is always like a victory lap because mm-hmm. at that point you think I've done everything right or you know I, I only cracked once I'll take that as a W um, but in that moment like I'm a super super high soprano I'm a coloratura soprano so the high stuff is the easiest for me um, and in that moment it feels like have you ever watched the X-Men movies yes do you know the um, in in Days of Future Past the like super advanced robots the Sentinels who are trying yes. to kill the X Men their faces open up and yes. like a beam of light comes out mm-hmm. and just evaporates people that's what it feels like <laughs> it feel feels like, like a Sentinel that's evaporating people yes it feels okay. like I have enough power coming out of my entire body to okay. evaporate everyone in the room and it's delightful. There's well, nothing and, more powerful. And you are. You're evaporating us with a beautiful talent. I have not heard you sing. I'm dying to hear it. <laughs> I did ask her before. I was like, oh, man, like, do you think you give us a little something? But she's she's not fully practiced right now to do that. And I don't want to damage your vocal cords. Thank and you. I don't want to put you on the spot like that. But <laughs> I, I am curious to hear it because just hearing you talk about it, you can tell, like, you're really passionate about this. And mm-hmm. you enjoy it. And you practice. And you train. So well earned the victory at the the talent show, what would you say the hardest thing about being a performer is? Aside from the pandemic, because we're going to get into that right now, mm-hmm. but just the hardest thing in general. I would say maintaining vocal health is really quite difficult. Um, a lot of professional singers do not drink, do not go out 
after after any sort of party situation. Um, you have to sleep a lot to make sure that your voice is healthy. A lot of water. I drink like under a gallon of water every day. Oh my goodness. I drink a lot of water. Um, but just so much of it is like, oh, if I want to yell to my friend across the sidewalk, I am not allowed to scream at her. So there are just a lot of things that you have yeah. to kind of remind yourself of. I need to do this every day to make sure that my instrument is in good condition. Because if you play the violin and you leave the violin in the back of your car and it gets to be 120 in Vegas or whatever, right. your violin's going to be damaged. If you're banging it around and chucking it down when you get into a room, it's not going to sound as great as it possibly could. And the same is true for vocal performances as well. That makes a lot of sense. That reminds me of... Like you're you're talking about you're you're talking about your skill and your your talent your craft, but in a serious note, because we're okay, but seriously here, there <laughs> are everybody has a craft or something that they do professionally yeah. that they have to be very care- careful about. I remember when I worked for the professional golfer, and one time we were um, I worked for professional golfer as a nanny for six years. And oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, it was a really fun job, and one of the things that he would never do is he wouldn't like go with the kids on like the ski slopes or sometimes he wouldn't get on like a really scary roller coaster and I used to give him a hard time about it I'm like come on be a cool dad and he was younger he was in his 30s and he's like no because you think about it if I hurt myself like that's that's my craft that's like, the end I can't, of your career right I can't hurt my my body because I need my body to work and I'm like oh that makes sense I don't need my body to work so it's fine yeah I <laughs> yeah I would say it's definitely not something that most people have to think about on a day-to-day basis but correct yeah as a professional golfer you go in skiing and you tear your meniscus done yeah okay so now we're going to kind of pivot into the more serious side of things here mm-hmm. um if you're just joining us, you missed all the chaos earlier. <laughs> uh, but this is okay. But seriously, I'm Vanessa Lauren. I'm sitting down with Heather. She is the winner of UNLV's Got Talent uh, 2020. And um, we're going to talk about, she's a performer. She's she's won a couple things. She's done a few things in theater. And also um, she's an opera singer. So she does a lot of different things. And it got me thinking about the pandemic and how that has affected performers, specifically in the realm of like being depressed and being discouraged in your craft. So as a performer, what has it been? And also a student, how what has it been like for the in the pandemic for you? Pretty rough. Um, I'm someone with a history of depression. Um, And so actually when I was competing in the Miss Nevada organization, that was my platform was mental health awareness. Um, So I am pretty intimately familiar with what to look out for when I noticed that my mental health starts slipping downhill Mm -hmm. and every single one of those boxes was checked um, when the pandemic started. Because it was like I had this whole life in Vegas and friends and then Suddenly I'm moving back into my parents' house and I don't really have any friend interactions. And um, there are a lot of things that, of course, are taken away from you, right? Yes. Um, And the more that's taken away, the harder it is to find the things that make you happy. Because it's easier to stay in bed than it is to go eat breakfast outside, even though I know that eating breakfast outside in the sunshine will make me have a good day. Right. Like getting out of your pajamas makes you have a better day than just staying in them. Um, And so when you don't really have a goal to work for, Mm. um, when when you're doing a show, usually rehearsals are like 25 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Um, The week before campus shut down, we had already gotten our scripts for the musical Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. So it was right in front of us. And then it was like, okay, well, um, clean out your dorm room, return your scripts. We'll see you someday, maybe. And um, I mean, we're doing this show this this winter, but still, that's right. that's something that we had been thinking about and working on, and and 
kind of internalizing. And then it was like, oh, well, everything that you've uh, been working for is is now gone. So that that was really difficult for all of us. And I think we have to go back to when this all started in in March of 2020. None of us knew. None of us knew how long it was going to last. Like I actually worked for uh, the theater department at the time as a bartender for the Performing Arts Center. Oh, cool. And so I was told the same thing. Like, hey, you know what? We're going to just put you guys on on hold and you know we'll call you back when things start getting back to normal. Yeah. And that the, that phrase is now kind of a joke in retrospect with back to normal and it I remember sitting there in like April and May and being like, "Okay, well my birthday's in May." And I was like, "Oh, by the time my birthday rolls around." And I was like, "Oh, by the time Christmas rolls around." Yeah. And then months turned into a year and um what you're saying about having a goal and having a really a purpose is really interesting because I think sometimes, not that other people aren't passionate about their job, but when it comes to performing, there is a creative juice in you all. Um, I say you all because I'm not a performer, but (laughs) there is a creative juice in you that has to get out. Mm -hmm. Like that's why you do what you do. So what I, because I I told you before we went on air that I have friends in the industry and a lot of them struggled with like the no end in sight, right? And Mm -hmm. then like keeping themselves active, like what you were talking about. Did you have any friends from, or was it, did you guys find camaraderie in the fact that you all were kind of in the same boat? Or was it more like this person's sad, that person's also sad, and it's kind of like everybody's sad? Um, I would say that there was a bit of camaraderie, but it's hard to maintain those relationships mm-hmm. when you're living, you know, all the way across the state from each other. Sure. And there's nothing really to keep you in touch because it's like, oh, well, I did the same thing today that I've done for the past two months. So I don't right. have anything new to share with you. But yeah. Did you have a similar experience with that? In the pandemic? Yes. Um, I'm a unique story. I so my job is that I work in media. I work for a local TV station here and I did not get sent home. Luckily, I was I was working through the pandemic and then being a broadcast major, I had at least one in-person class each semester. So I didn't have the full lockdown experience that a lot mm-hmm. of people did. And looking back on it and having I mean, talking to a lot of people, I've realized like how much of a blessing that actually was because a lot of people got very crazy, stir crazy and the depression set in because they didn't have like, like I had to get up and go to work right every day, at least, at least my normal Monday through Friday. So it kept my sanity going. But I think for some people, like when you don't have that, then it's like, what do you look forward to? Like you said, like you could just lay there and be in your pajamas all day, which Absolutely. to me sounds lovely. But I think <laughs> to other people, you know, like it, it, it was really depressing yeah um at times so we're gonna take another uh quick break the time is slipping away from us and then um we actually have i have put together a little true and false game okay i want to play with you after the break and then uh we'll get back talking uh with heather here about what it's like to be a performer through the pandemic Welcome back to OK, But Seriously. I am Vanessa Lauren. I'm sitting down with Heather. She's a UNLV student, the winner of UNLV's Got Talent in the Flesh. She is an opera singer and she's done many other things. And I have been going through a little bit of a struggle tonight with the technical side of things. (laughs) And she has been helping me. I appreciate you being here and going through this with me. And all of you out there listening to the 91.5, the Rebel HD2, I appreciate you um, sitting here through all of 
the shenanigans. But let's uh, use these last 10 or so minutes to hit you with some knowledge. So we're going to play a true and false game. Now, this is a theater true and false game. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know. I haven't told her any of these questions. So we're just going to do it cold and see what happens. You ready? I I am a bit concerned that I will fail this miserably. (laughs) And then all of my professors will shame me. You'll be fine. It's okay. Well, I'll edit it so it sounds like you knew what you were talking about. So just say both, true and false. Do like a robot voice over the top. Like, I think it was... Robert Downey Jr. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So number one, true or false? The word thespian comes from the first person to have taken the stage in ancient Greece. His name was Thespius. Uh, Thespius was not the first person to take the stage. He was the first person to step out from the chorus in Greek theater. So before then, it had been um, a line of people chanting in unison, and he was the first solo performer. Okay. Look at you dropping knowledge. See? Doug Hill. Thank you, Professor Doug Hill. (laughs) Technically, that's true. That's where the word thespian comes from. Correct. But you're dropping more knowledge on us. We're getting more than we paid for, ladies and gentlemen. I know. I'm I'm concerned the first one was an easy warm up. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number two, true or false, ghost lights are ancient legend and no one leaves them on stage anymore. Is that true or false? Oh, I would say that's false. I've seen a good deal of ghost lights in my day. Yes, that Theater is. people are very superstitious. It is false. Do you want to explain people what the ghost light represent, uh, represents, why they do that? Do you know? Uh, sure. So it basically, like I said, theater people are very superstitious. And there's this idea that if ghosts exist in the theater, um, it will sort of placate them to keep a light mm-hmm. on and they won't cause shenanigans overnight. I love that you say shenanigans. Yes. You they, planted that word in my brain because yeah. you said it just now. <laughs> no, it, it's definitely it's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, they do it even here in Las Vegas. I know that like the Blue Man Group does that. And like, oh. it's, like so the bigger productions even do that as well. The ghost light. Um, OK, number three. True or false? The first female actress took the stage in 1660. I'm going to say that's false because women were not allowed to be actors for a very long time. And I'm not sure if that was when we were allowed to be. (laughs) Okay. It is true. Okay. So I don't know when women, I didn't know that women weren't allowed to be actors. And now I want to look that up. But according to, um, according to the thespian.com website, I got this from Margaret Hughes, who was also known as Peg Hughes. I don't know if you're familiar with her. I'm not, but I love that she had two names completely different from one another. Well, Peggy is short for Margaret. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know Mar- that. Margaret, Marge, Peggy, Where Peg. do you get Peg from? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. How do you get um, I- like Rob from Richard? I don't know. That also doesn't make <laughs> sense. If you're a Rob or a Richard or a Peg or a Margaret, please call us. Yes, please let us, us know. <laughs> okay, so this is true. So the first female actress that took the stage was Margaret, a.k.a. Peg Hughes. And she was the first professional actress on the English stage, mm. December 8th of 1660. So now everyone Girl knows. boss. Yeah, that's right. She's setting the, <laughs> set the stage, literally. Okay, next true or false question is, the most performed play of all time is Mamma Mia, which has grossed over oh, about $8.2 billion worldwide. If that's true, I will be very disappointed. Really? Oh, okay. It isn't. It's false. Okay. But Mamma Mia is number two. Can you take a guess at what you think number one is? The one that has grossed $8.2 billion? Does this include straight plays or is it just musicals? I don't know. I'm assuming it's... Tell me the difference between straight plays and, and musicals. Musicals would be singing. So like Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yes. It's like musicals. Okay. Then I would say number one would probably be Phantom of the Opera. No. What is it? The Lion King. 
oh, that makes sense. It does make sense. The Lion right? King is fantastic. It is fantastic. I used to know Mufasa, the one that uh, performed here in Las Vegas. The Lion King oh. was here in Las Vegas, and Mufasa went to my church. That's awesome. I know. And then he moved to New York, and now he's like a, a big hotshot in New York. Hi, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Derek. Um, if you would like to get in contact with me, I will <laughs> yes. be moving to New York in a few years. <laughs> yes, Derek, help Heather. Okay. Number five. This is the last true and false question for you. I'm not keeping score, but I think you're killing it. I'm definitely not killing it. Ooh. Broadway actors make a weekly minimum wage of $1,000 a week. True or false? This is according to 2020. This was like from... Uh, um, Backstage and the Broadway Journal. If they are equity, which is the actors union, I believe that would be about correct. Okay. It didn't specify. You're making me look like a bad journalist, Heather. No, that's it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's okay. We're all I mean, this together. is my college major, so it's kind of my business to know the <laughs> no, details I'm, of this. I'm glad you do know. <laughs> this is what we're here for. I'm here to learn. You're here to, to help me learn. So... Again, according to Broadway Journal and Backstage, which if you're not familiar. I know. That's so exciting. Siri, play Kessler. Doing too much. unexpected break that one 
was was not on me. Heather is my witness. No, I am here to say that that was very spooky <laughs> and it started all by itself. And it's now true. I'm thinking that you mentioned we might, might need a ghost light we in here might and need I think you might light. be right. Yes. I'm so, again, apologies. This is okay, but seriously, with uh, Vanessa, I'm your host, Vanessa Lauren, and that is Heather that you just heard there. And she is a performer. She is the winner of UNLV's Got Talent. Uh, she's an opera singer. And we were playing a true and false game and then the computer said, no more. So if you were sticking <laughs> with us and you stuck through that song, the last thing we were talking about was what Broadway actors make in a weekly minimum wage. I said $1,000. That's false. It actually is a little over $2,168 a week, according to the Broadway Journal and Backstage. And that's a 2020. Okay, I have one more bonus question for you. Mm -hmm. And then the ghost has taken up our time. So um, the bonus question is, can you finish this line? Okay. It's a line in a play. It's a Shakespeare play. Mm. (laughs) Okay. It's a pretty famous line, though. All the world's a stage. All, all. No. I remember so, it's something you like, um, and all men actors in it. Very close. And all the men and women merely players. Okay. That's how it goes. So, you know what? You did great, though. The rest of the true and false, you knocked it out the park. I'm not a Shakespeare buff. Well, I'm I'm not really a fan of Shakespeare. That makes sense. You're an opera singer. You're not a Shakespeare singer. Yeah, I can only be so stuffy, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can only know so many things. Thank you so much for being here and for dealing with all the, again, shenanigans that happened tonight. And for you as listeners, thank you for hanging in there as well. Um, Heather, if anybody wants to keep up with you and all the brilliant things that you're doing, how can they do that? I would say Instagram would be the best way to do that, at Heather Renner. Um, I also have a Facebook, but I am not a grandma so i do not use my facebook very often <laughs> don't take offense to that y'all no it's it's okay she's she's on both so find her on instagram find her on facebook heather renner you heard her here first i'm so excited to see where you go in your next journey and Thank to see you. you blossom and to see you in the plays that and uh, the pandemic will subside and you'll get to do all the things that you want to do so thank you so much and for those of you listening this has been okay but seriously again i am vanessa lauren i'm here every tuesday somehow they let me stay tuesdays from six <laughs> to seven talking about serious topics in a non-serious way so till next time now i'm really gonna put the music on okay bye